Ghouls, how are you? Good. Doing well. Surviving as we do every week. Absolutely. (laughs) So far, so surviving. Oh, wow. We're still hanging in there. I feel like people are used to hearing us say this by now, but it's it's week to week. It's... (laughs) Ooh, a wild ride. <laughs> we're getting through, though. We're making it. We are. We are. And we're here. We're here. And we're the Golden Ghouls. Alyssa. Kylie. Emily. And it's time to get spooky. Ooh. <laughs> wow. We're ready. So this week is exciting as normal, but a little bit different because we have a very special guest with us. We have Connor Gossel, a.k.a. The Haunted Historian. Connor, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You know, surviving. (laughs) Hanging in there. You know the the COVID life as well as we do, so. Yeah, I I can't say I'm doing anything too interesting. I'm just sitting in my apartment right now recording with you guys. (laughs) I think that's about as interesting as a day could get right now. Just about. Alrighty, so we're going to, let's dive right in. Let's get crazy. So for anyone who's not familiar with The Haunted Historian, Connor, do you want to give us a quick breakdown of what it is that you do? Yeah. So uh, about two and a half years ago, give or take a couple months, I created with a couple other guys a page called The Haunted Historian on Instagram. Really what it was, was kind of um, an outlet for us at the time, back in uh, late 2017, early 2018, when it was made to, <laughs> as silly as it sounds, to get a lot of our kind of uh, creepy juices out. You know, <laughs> we have been investigating for years together, went separate ways in college to our respective schools and weren't around to do as frequent of investigations. So we made the page to kind of uh, just whenever we found a new location or heard a new story or saw a new piece of evidence, kind of to post it on there as a paranormal community on Instagram. And really it was meant kind of just to keep in contact with each other to grow our, our base of contacts in the paranormal world and fast forward a couple of years and here we are. And, you know, I I never expected it to get to this point with nearing 60,000 followers now throughout the globe but it's, it's, it's a fun time. It's, uh, it's definitely adapted as to what we do. Really now it's kind of like a, an every other day sort of posting of a new location and its history, its occurrences, its background, and kind of its, uh, all the information you need to learn about it and go there for yourself if it's available to the public to go and investigate. And so really, you know, we, we, we achieved our goal of making a, a paranormal community. We just surpassed it by a, a very shockingly large margin. That's amazing. I know it for me growing up, it always felt like not that many people were interested in the paranormal and just getting into this world. It's like crazy how many people are actually kind of obsessed with it like we are. Mm-hmm. What originally sparked your personal interest in the paranormal? You know, I I wish I could say that it was something as profound as a lot of the a lot of other people that I've spoken with where they grew up in a haunted house or they, you know, some high school dare got locked up in a mansion, some Netflix special sort of thing. You know, mm-hmm. for me, it's as simple as an inherent taste for the genre. I very much loved horror movies from an early age. Horror, thriller, suspense, all of it. I wait for my parents to leave the house and sneak every film that I could before they got home, very often getting caught doing so. (laughs) And, you know, it, it was nothing massive. It was no coming to age experience. It was really just... It was something that intrigued me, something that attracted me. And, you know, I'm happy to say it didn't, you know, wane with my age increasing there, but got more prominent. I got more curious. I got more funds to actually be able to go out and uh, explore such a genre myself and see actual haunted places and work with a lot of incredible people. But yeah, I mean, really, it's as, it's as boring as just a general taste for what it all is. We get that. Yeah. Yeah, you guys didn't grow up in a haunted house or anything like that? <laughs> I mean, I think I did, but I don't know. I think we all we all definitely had personal experiences growing up. My I don't think my house was haunted. I think we were haunted by a family member, but it was not the house specifically. So <laughs> Well, there are so many little 
side trails right there that I want to explore that I have no idea if you guys have time for. <laughs> oh, we always have time for spooky talk. <laughs> now, I, I would certainly love to hear that. I always love hearing the personal stories of how people got involved in it because they're always more interesting than mine. <laughs> yeah. So for me, my uncle passed away when I was really young and he started haunting us. It first started with like knocks on the window and then it became like full bodied apparitions. And uh, my whole family saw it except for my dad. So he became obsessed with the paranormal, buying Ouija boards, buying voice recorders, taking me ghost hunting, the whole nine yards. I mean, my whole family got into it, honestly. Well, that's very cool. I wish I could say the same. My I'm kind of the black sheep of the family with what I'm involved with. (laughs) But you're the cool black sheep. You know what I mean? I like to think so. You see, I I (laughs) full-heartedly agree with you. (laughs) They they might have some reservations. Um, For me, I actually grew up a town over from Salem. So although I'm in Salem now, growing up, we would come here. I would come here with my family during um, Haunted Happenings, which is, you know, the big Halloween festivity every Every October in Salem, we would learn a lot about the history of Salem in school, I think because of uh, the proximity to Salem. And I think that kind of got me started or piqued my interest for sure in the paranormal. And then that kind of combined with some strange experiences that I had in my life growing up. It, it was just, it was like the, the perfect cocktail to, to bring me into what we have now, which is the Golden Ghouls podcast. Can, can, can you shed some light for me on Salem? You know, I never hear about it beyond Halloween haunts, beyond paranormal locations, uh, and very, you know, fall festive happenings. W- what is life like there on a daily basis? Is, it, is, is everybody kind of of that mindset? Are they all very horror-centric? That is a great question. So I would say, and I may be biased because I feel like I fall into this category. (laughs) Um, I would say that at least half, perhaps, of the residents here do have at least an appreciation for, you know, the paranormal or for witchcraft or um, anything within that realm. It's almost inherent to to do so because it, it you do feel you feel it everywhere. And it does feel authentic. You know, downtown, we we casually have some witchcraft shops. Some are very new, which you could blame on trends, but then also some are very old. I live in the historic district of Salem, which has a lot of the history, not only with, you know, the Salem witch trials, but also just the uh, city of Salem in general, which is rich with history. So... I would say there's a definite vibe that I feel here that I haven't felt elsewhere. I guess the most similar place could be New Orleans, but it's a special place. And you do feel the activity outside of just Halloween. Definitely. I love how you say they just casually have some witchcraft shops around town. (laughs) I know Emily, Emily's family was a little spooky too. Yes, this is how I got on to the paranormal my parents loved to freak me out as a kid, um, you know, spooking me with scary stories, with little pranks here and there with my friends. Um, but then like Kylie, the, there was just ex- experiences later on in life um, that were just kind of surreal and, you know, kind of got me questioning more that something could be out there. Mm-hmm. And then I met these ghouls and uh, we got to talking more about it. Well, there you go. That's how it always happens. Right. But let's get back on to you, huh? Seriously, I'm so, <laughs> so excited. What's been like your favorite location like you visited? And, and then we have to know like a dream one, like your dream location. My favorite location and a dream location. Yes. That's something I think about pretty often. And if I had to answer it, my favorite location would most likely have to be the very first location I ever investigated uh, seven, eight plus years ago, me and eight of my high school friends went to Newcastle, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. and we investigated what was it Hillview Manor out there. And this is before I had any kind of an uh, of a genuine interest in the paranormal. This is just you know I grew up in a very 
small town in Beaver Creek, Ohio, and there's not a lot to do there. How can we kind of shake things up for a weekend? And being that we kind of uh, watched shows like that, we're like, oh, well, you know, let's, let's, let's venture four and a half hours east and see if we can't uh, lock ourselves down for the night here as well. We did. It was extremely active. It was a horrifying but profound experience, a great time. And while eight of us went there, we've had upwards of 12 people come with us in our group sometimes for investigating. Mm. It's over the course of a decade now, windled down to um, the two or three of us who are traveling the country now to do it. That's so fun. That's awesome. It is. It, you know, it, it truly is. It, I, I, Sorry, I'm at a loss for words trying to think of my my dream location. Part of me wants to say Waverly Hills Sanatorium, but at the same time, that's like an hour and a half south of where I grew up, and it's just like, oh, I can't say that. That just sounds stupid. Like, Connor, why didn't you ever get, just go there for a weekend or something? Like, <laughs> I went everywhere else in the Midwest, but I didn't go there. If I had to choose right now, if I could just magically appear in front of some location anywhere in the country right now i really do think it would probably be and i feel basic saying this winchester mansion or the stanley hotel (laughs) yes i've been to the stanley and that is where i saw some things that i was 16 at the time and it was a family trip and it and it, my dad made us stay there to scare us, and he and he did it. He, it, it terrified me. We stayed in, on the fourth floor in a maid's room, and uh, it, it was all all types of spooky. They played The Shining on repeat in the room. <laughs> Do they actually? Yes. You know, there are very few places of the Stanley Hotel size that actually cater to people like us in the paranormal. <laughs> Field. So if nothing else, if you go there and you don't experience anything, just appreciate how incredible it was to walk right up to the concierge and say, I want to stay at a haunted place. And they pull out a binder that lists out the horrors that are taking place in every single room. Right. right. Well, we went on a tour before we even knew we were staying there. And the lady was speaking about our room and my dad nudged me and goes, hey, you sleep in there tonight. Yeah. Like, oh, no, Dad. Oh, it was a night to remember. You should go. I, I very much want to. You know, the the page, uh, again, this is not something that we like, we like advertise, but like kind of the theme of it is really covering locations that aren't very prevalent, that people haven't heard of very much. You know, if you cover places like Waverly or Winchester or Stanley, you know, every paranormal investigator, unless they're living under a rock, has heard of those places. Mm -hmm. So we really try to make it informative for like 99% of the people who are following the page, unless you grew up in the very small town in whatever state we happen to be covering that day. Totally. So, yeah. It's very cool. I think it's a benefit to a lot of investigators across the country. But at the end of the day, it also means that some of the most prominent haunts across the country, I have not been to. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, though. We need to hear about the ones we don't know. I love that. I love that, too. Yeah. I actually have been to the Winchester house. And Thinking back on it now, I think that's one of the places I realized when I was younger that I actually had some sort of like weird sense for the paranormal. I felt really nauseous the whole time. As soon as we left, I was fine, but it's definitely, you've got to get there. It's just the coolest place to see. Highly recommend. One of these days. It's it's definitely on the bucket list. One of the many locations I have to at some point to get to. I'm just not quite sure when it's going to happen. It'll happen when the time is right. (laughs) (laughs) What has been your most memorable experience thus far in your journey or maybe a scariest experience that you can think of? Over all the years, I think the scariest experience actually took place uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend before that. I think the 19th, June 19th, 2020, something right around there. I actually work as a PR manager here in the Scottsdale area. 
I wish I could say horror pays the bills and whatnot. And it certainly <laughs> helps, but it's, it's not a full-time gig just yet. That might be years away. But one of the clients that I work for, they are, we're talking one day about some of their assets and whatnot. They're uh, refinancing themselves. And they mentioned that they own this abandoned hospital in the middle of Mineral Wells, Texas. And I asked them, of course, you know, being a paranormal enthusiast, well, what is the name of this hospital? There's no abandoned hospital that does not have ghosts in my experience. And they tell me that it's called the Beach Army Hospital. And I, of course, I look at the, the name sounds very familiar. It's already in Mineral Wells, Texas, one of the most haunted towns in the entire state. And I look it up and it has been vacant since the 1970s at the end of the Vietnam War. And I kind of jokingly run by them. I'm just like, you know, if you guys gave me control of that place, I'm telling you right now, I could sell it out so fast mm -hmm. for you. I get so many teams inside of there. And I, again, I said this jokingly, and they were very receptive to it. They're like, oh, would you actually be interested in doing that? And I'm, I'm caught off guard, of course. I'm like, I mean, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely do that. And I, I told them, like, you know, I, I'd love to put it on the page. It looks incredible. But of course, you know, I don't actually know for a fact that it's haunted. Kind of the big curiosity behind this place is the fact that you know, there's no YouTube investigation that exists. There's no online periodicals, no kind of like urban exploration excerpts that are littered anywhere. It, it was cra It's crazy that it's in such a prominent paranormal location in one of the country's biggest states, uh, middle of nowhere, uh, wide open, and nothing exists on it. So I said, you know, give me the keys for the night, lock me in there, and I'll see if this place is haunted. And if I come out in the morning and you know, it, it's haunted, then by all means, I will happily go about opening this place up to the country. So it was, uh, yeah, just about nine or 10 days ago, I was locked up inside Beach Army Hospital by myself for the evening. I got to say, that was probably oh the horrifying experience of my life. That is terrifying. It was. You know, I don't know why I went in with reservations thinking like, oh, this place isn't haunted. This place isn't going to be that active. This is nothing. You know, it's a hospital. Thousands of people died here. They had told me all about these satanic ritual sites. They found the second floor with pentagrams and upside down crosses drawn in different patients' rooms and animals going crazy up there. So, but I, I don't know. For whatever reason, my mind was completely calm and I paid no attention to it but just a recap on it there are disembodied voices as clear as day of you guys talking to me right now it was that clear wow. i couldn't make out the exact dialogue but you could hear men and women talking on the floors above you and below you footsteps shuffling on like the the stone flooring i kind of wrote it all off didn't think much of it you know, I was pretty sure it was haunted. It wasn't until the morning that I was leaving, my, my dear mother back in Ohio, she knows that I do this stuff and she always makes sure that I, uh, I call her and let, let her know, you know, mom, I'm not dead in an abandoned hospital in the middle of <laughs> Texas. You know, I always try to hold true to that promise and I call her. I actually FaceTime her and I let her know, hey, mom, I just thought you'd like to know your son's not lying dead in a ditch or dead in a room in a hospital. I made it. I made it out. It's haunted. It was a great time. It was horrifying, but I had fun. And I'm kind of holding her the phone above my head, giving her an aerial of the, the, the whole, the room, the first floor, the hallways as I'm walking around. And as once I'm done, I'm walking back towards the exit. And since I'm holding it above my head, I can see behind me as well. And behind me is the cafeteria and the kitchen. And there's a kind of a partition between the two rooms there where you can kind of look in from this little window into both rooms. And I saw what looked like this black figure just looking at me from around a corner. And I actually triple back because I, I see it and I turn around and look. And with my, with my own eyes, I think I see it. And then I turn around and keep walking. And I'm so used to kind of like doubling back on things that I think I saw that I just wrote it off. But I'm like, wait, I just saw that myself. And I swoosh back around. I look over there and I shine my flashlight. 
There's nothing there in the corner. And I'm like, okay. And I turned the flashlight off. And whatever mass I saw in that corner wasn't there. I'm like, all right, maybe I saw it. Maybe I didn't. Whatever. No big deal. And I keep walking towards the exit. And my mom, like five or 10 seconds later in the FaceTime, just screams, bloody murder. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what's wrong? What's wrong? Connor, somebody just ran past that partition behind you. Oh, my God. (laughs) I can't tell you how fast I got out of there. Oh, (laughs) my goodness. Wow. While she was on FaceTime. Well, I I feel bad for her. You know, I just wanted to let her know that I made it and (laughs) up seeing something like that. Were you able to identify any of the spirits either before you went in through some research or afterwards? I exercised due diligence in my research. I really tried to look into this place. I spoke with the owners, the construction crews, the Chamber of Commerce and Mineral Wells. No record exists on it. Nobody knows anything about it. Nobody can give a death toll on the hospital beyond what its function was as a portion of the military installation with Fort Walters. Mm -hmm. Nobody can really say what happened there how many people died, or what's been said to occur. It's it's truly an anomaly because yeah. urban exploration is huge, and people love doing, you know, uh, unfortunately, paranormal investigations incorrectly where they break into buildings that aren't open to the public or that they shouldn't be inside of, and they conduct them there. And this building is just sitting there yeah. in the middle of nowhere for anyone to do it, and it's the one building that no one's done it at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after spending the evening in there, I can kind of see why. I'm kind of just like, you know, I wasn't in here for more than 10 minutes and, you know, thing, it all started hitting the fan. And I'm just like, you know, if anyone else came in here to do like an overnight investigation, they probably got chased out not too long after. Whoa. I bet. I hate to wonder if maybe some of that history or what truly happened there was swept under the rug. I mean, it's, it's, it's always a possibility. I mean, you got... <laughs> Hospitals, of course, with their own private research, and then of course it's a military hospital. Exactly. It was. Uh, it, I think it's something like every Vietnam helicopter pilot from the war came through this hospital for training. And I spoke with a number of locals, and they all uh, uh, older locals, much mm-hmm. older than me. You know, they're in their uh, late forties and fifties, and they all, they'd all say that they remember clear as day growing up with the constant sound of helicopters flying around the compound and flying around the city with the Vietnam pilots training over there. Oh, geez. Wow. So there's a lot of people went through there. You know, a lot of them safe and secure and healthy, but, you know, a lot of them not so much. A lot of them, unfortunately, met their end there. Mm -hmm. And one of the the very unfortunate realities for me going in there is that there was – one operating light in the entire hospital and one operating outlet. My, my real hope was to, once I got scared enough, to just bunker down somewhere and watch The Office for the remainder of the evening. Good idea. But, Good idea. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was. I thought it was really going to take the edge off. It turns out that one operating outlet and that one operating light was in the basement morgue. Oh, oh of perfect. Oh, of course, why would it be anywhere else? Why would it be yeah. in the lobby? Why would it be in the nice lit hallway? Yeah, no. <laughs> that is so crazy that you did this by yourself. Do you normally do investigations by yourself? No, I, I actually had a, uh, a very miniature production company who was uh, coming along with me to kind of uh, vlog it with a couple of people. And that'll be uh, released later this week onto uh, YouTube. Yeah, I, I don't have a YouTube channel at all. The Haunted Historian doesn't at least. And so we'll put that up. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of start the Haunted Historian YouTube later this week just to put that vlog up there. Also some advertisement for the hospital. I do not do locations alone. I said in the vlog at the very beginning, I don't know if it's actually in there, that you know it's kind of like a social more in the paranormal to venture to any location alone, let alone abandoned haunted hospital alone you know a lot of people can kind of you know they can cock their eyes and they can look this way or that and have their doubts but for those of us who uh, have a belief in it you know venturing into this kind of a situation can be dangerous i was very cognizant of that and it's, it's really what was fueling a lot of my anxiety and so i texted my team the next morning i said you know that's not something 
I ever plan on doing again. That was the most horrifying night, not just because I thought, not, not just because I knew things were happening around me and this place was haunted, uh, because I was worried if something went wrong, no one was going to be there for backup. Yeah. So true. Goodness. Do you do anything specific to protect yourself when you're investigating or does, you know, your team do anything? Um, I mean, and that could be anywhere from, you know, making sure you have like some sage or an emergency medical kit. Yeah. Yeah. We don't, we don't exercise anything uh, metaphysical, but um, I know that, and I, I don't want to speak directly for them. I'm pretty sure they are as well, but I am uh, a fairly religious individual. So I don't necessarily mm-hmm. bring anything in with me, but I will pray prior to going in. I will pray uh, after we leave, if something truly bone chilling happens, I'll pray right then and there. Like, oh God, this is real. I really got to pray right now. Yep. Whatever that was, don't let that follow me home. <laughs> it's funny because we've been investigating together for a bit, and I've been doing this for a really long time in my personal life, but I actually hadn't thought about it recently until someone asked us this. And I was like, wait, what? wait, why aren't we doing anything to protect ourselves? Because I personally have had something attach itself to me twice coming home from New Orleans. So now I've learned my lesson and we will be uh, much more cautious moving forward. Right. Yeah. I feel like we need some more like advice from you, you know, because we've done some investigations, but you're the pro here. Like, what do we, what do we bring with us, you know, and how do we gain access to these places? Like you need to know somebody, right? In a lot of situations, speaking directly towards the getting access to some of these locations, uh, I genuinely happened upon by mere chance, this beach army hospital location It had nothing to do with the page beyond that. I, I worked with these people who owned it. And they were willing to let me get in there and attempt to market it to paranormal teams in the region and beyond. I will say beyond that, getting into other locations that are kind of closed off to the public, you know, it's it's not really anything special. It's kind of, the page is very fun to run. And one of the biggest benefits of it and how big the clout around it has gotten is that if I reach out to 10 locations that are not open to the public for paranormal investigations, I can typically kind of just flex the following behind the Instagram page and they'll let me in no matter what. So it's not so much me. It's not so much my background, so much as they see it as an opportunity for their own personal marketing. Like, oh, this guy has this many followers. If we bring him in here and he does this for his page, you know, we can have a lot more notoriety. It'll be a lot more prevalent on SEO marketing online or the hashtags and the ads will be a lot bigger for them. So they don't always really feed into what we're doing, but you know, a lot of the times they're, they're wise to the benefit that it will have for their online presence. Makes sense. That makes sense. That does. The power of social media these days. Nothing quite strong. <laughs> no, it's nothing to do with me. I, I wouldn't even consider myself a professional. You know, I'm, uh, I don't use much equipment. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who've been doing it longer than I have. Uh, again, you know, I, I'm i just an individual who has happened upon a page that has a large following. But there are no doubt countless individuals out there far more experienced and far more knowledgeable than I. You may not think you are a professional, but you're definitely a natural. I I will certainly take the compliment. I appreciate that. (laughs) We think you're a professional, if that is any consolation. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. One day I might consider myself that. I don't know what it's going to take. I I, I think, I don't know, half of my mind sometimes is just like, oh my God, Connor, do you realize what you do all the time? Half of my mind is like, ignore that part of the mind. This is so fun. This is crazy. All your friends are spending money out of the bar right now. They're going to be hung over tomorrow. Like you're out chasing ghosts and whatnot and you're just gonna be not sleeping <laughs> tomorrow night so it, it's fine right <laughs> live in the life live in the life yeah and how many places have you investigated again if i had to guesstimate i would say between 70 and 80 
Wow. See, you are a pro. <laughs> you guys are just, you're buttering me up right now. I appreciate that. <laughs> Do you have any specific advice for someone who might be wanting to get into paranormal investigation? Yeah. You know, that's a question that uh, I get asked pretty frequently as um, messages or emails that we get in for the page. And I think the first thing to keep in mind for anybody is that there is no one definition of an investigator. I get so many people who reach out, honest to goodness, from around the world, Australia, UK, Canada, you know, here in the US, and they'll be like, I want to be a paranormal investigator. I just got to find a, a group of friends to get out with and we can, and we'll all start working on saving our money to get here or there. And it's like, you know, you don't have to spend exorbitant amounts of money or locked down with randos for an evening you know <laughs> all the shows that go out all the youtube channels that go out all the coverage that different instagram pages provide they're on locations that you know half the time they being the individuals running those channels or half the time outside third parties investigators interested in it of their own accord found and sent their way half the evidence that shows find are from viewers seeing something happening in the footage and notifying the production company you know half of the lore that exists half of the experiences a lot of the notoriety the funds that come to this, these locations are not from individuals that lock down and investigate them but people who are willing to put their name behind the party that believes in the paranormal you do not directly have to investigate a place to be a paranormal investigator there are so many roles and tasks that come with it even if it's as simple as getting off work on a friday morning and you're spending friday night watching a show and you catch something or reading a story or catching up on the latest bit of technology you're an investigator you're part of this you're part of the culture you're part of the community and i i always get upset when people think that it's anything less than that because this is a it's an inclusive community everybody can be a part of it and you know the second you start segmenting people off you know you really start losing a lot of eyes on evidence a lot of insights on locations a lot of individuals who have connections to locations and a lot of people who, have, who could who could themselves have metaphysical talents we don't know so i guess that's all to say there's nothing special you have to do to get into the paranormal you being you you having your own interests you being as involved as little or as much as you want in this genre is enough and it includes you in what we're all searching for i love that because I do think that a lot of people have this misconception that they need to like know a lot of people or be super educated in it. And I do think that this is a really welcoming community where if you're interested, like there's going to be someone who wants to help you or like has advice. So that is, that was awesome. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so we caught wind that you have either aided in exorcisms or witnessed exorcisms could you tell us how you got involved in that and what your experiences have been like? I know that a lot of people's point of reference for exorcisms is the movie The Exorcist, and we know that that is not the most accurate depiction. Yeah, I, I've, um, I've only been a part of one exorcism, which is, uh, I, I realize, more than a lot of investigators get to say. So it was a very unique, very cool experience to be a part of. Uh, you are correct. You know, no, no one's neck was turning around 360, vomiting everything <laughs> all over the walls. No one was levitating. I can't say that, but it was. I, I know. I, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I wish I could have dispelled what, what she just said. No, you're wrong. It is all the exorcism. That's what it all is. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> no, it, it was probably, and I know I've used this term already, but it especially applies here one of the most profound experiences in my paranormal career is just paramount in like the whole hierarchy in my mind of what I've gone through and what I've experienced. The Catholic diocese in Columbus, Ohio was working with a family uh, just outside of the Columbus area uh, for their own, uh, I don't want to say safety, but for their own privacy, I won't disclose the exact suburb or anything like that. But they were just outside of Columbus, Ohio. One of the members of my team 
had worked with them in the past to check out their home. I believe he had a personal connection with the husband. And and mind you, the, the family that this was, this wasn't some hodunk family. This wasn't some, these, these weren't paranormal enthusiasts. The husband was a banking executive. The wife, like, she did something else in like an executive HR position, something along those lines. They had a very, very nice house in the suburbs outside of Columbus. And when, we, when I pulled up there for the first time with the team, I'm kind of just like, oh, wow, I was, uh, I was taken aback. I had not seen a house like this before that we were going to be <laughs> investigating. I'm like, oh, wow, I ghosts or not, I would probably live here. <laughs> this is a really nice place. The, when we talked with the family and they told us what was going on, and it was mainly the father speaking with us, there was not a doubt in my mind that whatever was in their house was probably the most powerful entity I had both either investigated and hunted for and ever heard of. Wow. I had heard of demonic infestations, possessions, and exorcisms in the past, locations that were notorious for dark energies inhabiting them. And it was always in the form, that is, the dark energy was always in the form of a single entity. People saw it as a little girl. They saw it as a beautiful woman. They heard it as a gentle, whispering voice. They saw it for what it was, but it was always something specific, a singular something. Whatever was in this house was shifting itself, was changing itself to match the horrors and the mindset of every member of the family. The three girls who were living there, all between five and seven, they would all often report seeing a little girl or a little boy in period white gowns like they're like nightgowns glowing white drapes i I don't know the wife was was reporting that she'd come out into the living room very frequently and she'd see a man in a flannel shirt without a head sitting there rocking back and forth in the chair in the living room the grandmother on the mother's side who was a skeptic she visited the house about every four or five months because she only lived up in michigan so she wasn't too far away but from what i know she hasn't been there in years after this she would come but she started experiencing that whenever she walked into her room, this old lady would be in there that would drop down onto the floor and crawl underneath the bed. And all what? Yeah, we were all we were all standing in the bedroom when he told us that. And I think we all like took a step back from the bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 like a spider crawl under the bed. Yeah, I I uh, I, wish, I wish she was there because I honestly it's one of those things where you picture it in your head and it seems so horrifying and you just want that person there like. Was it this horrifying? Like, <laughs> if I describe what I'm picturing, is this what it was? I don't imagine any way where that could have happened, you know, gingerly, in a non-horrifying way. <laughs> but when he told us that, we all just, like, stepped back, like, all right, let's let's close this door. Maybe bar it off. No one come in here. <laughs> and the husband, the husband is the one person in the family who believed in the paranormal. He was the one person who had reached mm-hmm. out to us wanted to be involved as a part of this and he was also the one member of the family who had not seen anything he was the one person with an open mind who believed in it and he had not seen a single ghost all he had seen reportedly were shadows were misted figures in corners but he had not seen fully formed individuals like everybody else Hmm. so when i heard this background what everybody had been experiencing I'm sure it might exist. You know, I'm, I don't know everything in the world, obviously. I had never heard of a demonic infestation so powerful that whatever was inside was literally going into the minds of every individual and shaping itself to match their deepest fears. And doing that, that's horrifying. Six different individuals on a nightly basis. Oh my gosh. It was. I mean, the morphing is like the epitome of demonic activity. That is wild. I I can't even imagine my family being tormented in that way. I I can't either. You know, it's. And I'll definitely touch on my worries for the family. I, I would love to say they're sitting pretty and, you know, our investigation yielded positive results and they're better than ever. But 
uh, quite the opposite is true. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the husband and wife got in the car with their, their three kids, and they were going to see a movie for about two to three hours. So it was going to be a shorter investigation than usual, so we had a lot of ground to cover. We had two priests with us from the Catholic diocese there from the city. One of them was not, they weren't running late. One of them was coming later and the other one was waiting out in the car. They were going to let us kind of, I don't want to say directly provoke, but since we were pretty sure it was demonic, it was kind of like we wanted to Mm -hmm. wake it up, Mm -hmm. provoke it. When they came in there, they were, you know, guns blazing. Let's just go at it. But um, it was an evening where we captured some of the most indisputable evidence I've ever gotten. I think we investigated for an hour and a half in just about every room of the house. And this might sound odd. Every room felt empty, but it didn't feel empty. It felt empty in the sense that you knew Mm -hmm. in your mind, nothing was about to happen. Like you knew nothing was about to jump out, but in the back of your mind, you knew something was there. It's almost like a very cognizant awareness of someone's presence and somehow knowing their intentions Mm. and that you were safe because of them. And it was a very unsettling feeling. And about an hour and a half into it, we're in the master bedroom where the wife and the husband had reported waking up on numerous occasions and there being a black figure standing in the corner by their, their restroom. And we have a REM pod sitting in the middle of the bed. And it's a very big room, so we're all kind of um, spread apart. And after like 10, 15 minutes of asking questions, I finally just say out loud, I'm just like, you know, we all know it. We've all been investigating for a while. Something is in this room. Something is watching us. Something is here with us. Something is listening to us. But you know what? It's not going to do anything for us. It's not going to answer a question. It's not going to talk into our EVP. It's not going to give us the bangs on the wall or the footsteps that we're asking for. Whatever's here, it's playing with us. Mm-hmm. Of course. Always- they always do that, <laughs> don't they? Of course. And then the very last thing that I said to them, I'm like, whatever is here, the only thing that it wants is this family. And the second I said that, the REM pod just lights up. Yeah. It just shoots up. Oh, my God. I know we've all seen a REM pod come on. I don't mean it shot on for like a a split second or something poked the sensor on it. It came on and it stayed on for an uninterrupted 45, 50 seconds. Jesus. She was angry. Just shining onto the ceiling. And it was horrifying. The second that happened, they're just footsteps that run out of the bedroom. No. They were like thundering. They were like someone. It was like one of us was deliberately pounding our feet into the floor trying to knock something off of a shelf i don't know if it was doing it on purpose i don't know if this is a massive being I, we just we hear that and we just hear boom 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 go out of the room and we all just Jeez. jumped back out of our and, and didn't know what to do but um we conducted the exorcism we the priests started reciting their they broke out their holy arsenal i'll say that <laughs> But um, they started doing that, and they said they said this like simple verse, total like fifty times, but nothing was happening after like eight or nine times. And they said the tenth time we hear something rummage in the kitchen. They say at the eleventh hmm. time, one of our investigators jumps back from the staircase because he just felt something run through him. They say at a twelfth time, and we hear footsteps running up the stairs. They say at a thirteenth time, and we see this white mist shoot across the playroom, the, the children's playroom upstairs, directly in front of the staircase. They say at a fourteenth time, we hear footsteps sprinting a- across the uh, ceiling above us, as though they were inside of the playroom. Fifteenth time, you hear a table flip in the back of the room, as though whatever is inside of there is just throwing things around and you, we say it a 16th time and there's nothing but silence and we all rush up there we we all both heard this the footsteps the rummaging visually saw this mist and followed it from you know x y to z to where it was going we run into the playroom 
and we throw aside this pink princess tent their girls had set up and we see this uh, little like art table that they probably drew on or something like that that had been turned onto its side and behind that in the very corner of their playroom was this small little crawl space that led into the attic above the parents bedroom uh uh-uh. what uh, this is a twist <laughs> I wish it was a twist. I wish it's like it's an actual person. Someone's been looking around. Yeah. The <laughs> There's somebody in there. We solved it. It's just a simple burglary. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that. That would make it so much happier. We were pretty sure we had chased it into a portal, and the family came home not some five ten minutes later, and we were happy because we got to tell them that, like you know, like. We didn't have to verify what they were experiencing. They've been there for two or three years experiencing this. What's there is there. But we were happy to be able to tell them, like, whatever is here, we tried a religious tactic with it. I don't know if you guys are into that, but it definitely had an impact on whatever was here and chased it to this point. And when we told them that we chased it away into a portal. We didn't tell them where the portal was. And the hug yeah. just like, let me guess, the back corner of the daughter's playroom. And we're just like, yeah, yeah how did you know that? But like, we've had two psychic mediums come here. Neither of them have come inside of our house. They've refused to come inside of our house. They've stood in our front doorstep and they've told us, both of them, that there is a portal inside of your home <gasps> in the children's playroom and it is feeding <gasps> demonic entities into your home. Oh my wow. God. <laughs> wow. So it was a horrifying thing to hear, but that was all we could do for the night. The girls were going to bed. The family was going to bed. We hop in our respective cars. We hit the highway and we're heading back down towards uh, an hour and a half south towards Dayton. And I call up the team onto a, a group voice call and I say, you know what, guys, this is one of the few times in my paranormal career that I'm able to say that. We're leaving this investigation not with just not just with cool experiences, but having provided the family with strength. True. Now they knew where the portal was, but we now just told them how they can get this out of here. That whatever is here, it can be strong. It can be as strong as you know Satan himself. But you can chase yeah. it out of there. And the second I say that, Alex Myring, one of the investigators that works with me, he's like, Connor, I just got a call from the father. And I am like, and you can just hear kind of the tone in his voice. I'm like, what, well, what, what do you mean you got a call from the father? Is everything okay? Or was he just calling to say thanks? He's like, Connor, it didn't leave. It's still inside the house the second we left. Oh my God. The other investigator and I are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow your roll. What do you mean? What's happening? Apparently the second we left, you know, the girls were all in bed. The husband and wife went into the, into their bedroom. They were in the restroom. Uh, They're at their respective sinks preparing, you know, the, the, to turn in for the evening and as they were doing that they hear this tune being whistled at them from inside of the walkway into their walk-in closet they said, oh. he, no. they, he, how he described it was a horror movie he said that they were brushing their teeth and the song he said that was playing was daisy daisy no. like, Like he said, they went for ten or fifteen seconds, as though something was just standing in the doorway of their walk-in closet, staring at them. He said that his wife had gone and barricaded herself inside of the shower, and he was standing in front of the door trying to protect her because they had been around here long enough to know that whatever this was, it wasn't friendly. Yeah. They hear three more thundering footsteps come out of the closet onto the tile floor of the restroom, <gasps> and so this, this husband knows that he might be looking at you know quote unquote nothing. But whatever's staring back at you is sure as hell something. Mm-hmm. And he says that it was quiet for five to ten more seconds. And then footsteps just ran out of the restroom, out of the bedroom, up the stairs, and towards back towards the girl's playroom. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Have they moved? Uh, you know, I haven't disclosed anything about oh, them, so I can say. They are pretty financially invested in the house that they are in. So they can't mm. very readily... Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. We have heard a lot of stories on this podcast, and that is the first time I've ever gotten legitimate chills. The whistling is, ugh, like it makes me cringe. 
I'm telling I you, feel nauseous. Somebody's gonna make that movie <laughs> after hearing this story. We have um a specialist in Florida who uh, specializes in closing off portals. Ah. Who's coming at the end of the summer? That area outside of Columbus, and we're hoping that she can really help in taking care of this. But you know, I uh, I'll just say the family's past is dark. Mm, okay. They're a very loving family. They're great people. They have three beautiful daughters. They just have the misfortune of coming from backgrounds that aren't mm. the same. Mm. Oh my so God. do you, do you think it's attached to one of them or do you think it's actually something attached to the house? I am pretty certain it is attached to the wife. Wow. So she so do you think she opened a portal from the house? It's very possible. Uh there was very light talk of this having happened in previous homes. Mm. It was never directly said, but it was kind of hinted mm-hmm. upon. My worry with the family is the stage that they are at with whatever this force is. Of course, with um uh any kind of possession you have a haunting the oppression and then the actual possession the haunting has been taking place for years mm-hmm. and the oppression has been getting pretty strong she you know, she was at, she's been at work a number of times and she's seen whatever she sees inside of the home standing inside of the hallways of her office building Whoa. or she's like losing time she's beginning to like sit around and like stare at walls and she like stops and she thinks it's been like five minutes to be like three hours so whatever this is it's powerful it's very near the end of its oppression and my fear if we can't get this specialist out here soon enough is that the possession is going to fully come into play here in a matter of weeks Oh my wow. Gosh. Oh my gosh. That is This is heavy. Whew, I don't even have words. I'm just in shock and awe. I know. I'm so glad that you're able to help these people. And I mean, you're bringing in other resources to help them too because I mean, when it comes to the paranormal, it's not like you can just, you know, Google someone to come by and and rid your home or your body of a of a spirit that's attached. So, you know, kudos to you for, you know, yeah doing what you do best to, to help people. Uh, we're, we're, we're trying, you know, we're not, mm-hmm. we're not quite there yet. Long way to go. And I'm worried things might get a lot better before they get worse. Sorry. I'll get a lot. <laughs> get a lot, I hope so. <laughs> get a lot worse before they get better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the most horrifying thing so far to me personally, I got an email about two or three uh, nights ago from the investigator who got us in contact with them uh, originally. And it was forwarding me an email from the father mm-hmm. and kind of, you could just tell his typing how sporadic and how worrisome it was. Apparently for the past number of nights, they keep waking up and their daughter is standing on the, um, they have like, they have a bed frame, like a wood, of course with the bed frame, they have the one with like a, a wooden front to it mm-hmm. where you can stand on, I guess, or something like that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like a, their daughter every night they wake up usually the husband wakes up to the mom screaming and when he wakes up the daughter's just standing there uh standing on top of that wooden portion of the bed staring at them and how he describes it and you know take take this you know take this with a grain of salt but the the daughter's just standing there her hair flung over her face like samora (gasps) from the ring the ring and he got real horrified because they had to take her to the hospital two nights because when she she would like start like mumbling and they couldn't understand what she was saying and she would crawl in the bed and when they when she crawled in the bed you know they their parents they try to console her they try to hold her they try to cuddle her and she like squeak and squeal when they tried to and when they pulled up her pajamas she was bruised all over her body oh my god and i shit you not in this email that they they forwarded to us because he didn't because this is a very nice man very respectable man he's not forcing this he is all the money in the world nothing to gain from doing this he forwarded us the actual hospital registration like like intake and outtake forms like the notifications on them this girl crawled into bed 
covered in bruises. No one knew how. And the one thing that woke her up, she would like they were shaking her. They were trying to talk to her. They were like yelling for her. The one thing that like broke her out of this trance is they threw holy water on her, oh, and wow. she woke right up and like didn't remember anything or go back to bed. Wow, that is insane. Yeah. So for anybody who doesn't fully believe in exorcisms or possessions or entities of that nature, they certainly exist. But, you know, demons like to make themselves known far more than a general spirit, but they are not the ones that are lurking in Hmm. public locations. They are the ones that are hiding out in residences and feeding off of people. Good to know. Okay, so do you think... So you think that energy was in the home first and then just some like people that, you know, have those dark times and are, you know, have the energy attracted to them. If they just go into that home, then they get that certain whatever's in the home. Yeah, I I think, you know, it's it's like up, down, left, right, diagonal. Any of it could be the reason. I mean, in this situation, I heard about a lot of the family members past. I'm pretty sure it was the wife. It could be that it was there already. It could be that moving there made it stronger. It could be that a family coming into the picture gave it more fuel to feed on. It could be nothing like that and something that's beyond our comprehension. That's always something I have to... I, I say when I talk about this stuff to anybody, is like, you know, I can give my theory, I can give my two cents, but at the end of the day, I don't know for sure. Right. I'm just trying to see, you know, if I move into a house, like, should I expect something? Or is it more who's coming into the home? You know? Yeah, and I, I, I think it's largely who's coming in. And it's it's interesting that you bring that up because kind of tying back to how can investigators protect themselves when they're going into locations like this, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, even people who claim that they're adamant and staunch supporters of the field and investigating the paranormal and uncovering new pieces of evidence, a lot of them treat the field as more of a novelty mm-hmm. than as an actual investigative realm Mm -hmm. and i think those are very often the people who pay the price and end up having something attached to them or having something attack them or drain them or follow them something of that nature because they're the ones that are weak-willed whose spirits and whose auras aren't on guard and protecting them who tend not to have a very strong belief or metaphysical protection they're going in there you know they're 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 just effing around just doing whatever <laughs> and they're the ones who end up paying the price and after that they pay that price after they see what happens you know thank goodness yeah. that that one time is all it takes because you know it's, it's it's fun and games when you're at a location with your friends and you hear footsteps or you hear a voice you know everyone's giggling everyone's having a great time it's quite another when you're alone at 3 a.m in your bedroom and you hear something laughing from your closet Woo. oh gosh yep. yeah well connor this has been truly spooky and we're so excited that we got to talk with you uh before we say goodbye is there anything you're excited that you're working on i know you mentioned your youtube but what can we watch out for from the haunted historian coming soon yeah we have the website for beach army hospital launching here uh later on this week for people to reserve private investigations on the weekdays or the weekends but it's the construction on the hospital, believe it or not, begins in uh, early October. So the hospital has not been investigated in half a century. And after these next three or four months of it being open to the wow. paranormal community, will never be open again for people wow. to explore in this capacity. I can tell you personally, I spent the night alone there. Take me at my word. <laughs> it is haunted. <laughs> we'll be up putting the documentary up soon, and the link will be on the Haunted Historian page for that. But, you know, after July 13th, start booking your time in Beach Army Hospital because it's uh, probably going to prove itself in the coming months to be the most haunted place in Texas, and then it's going to fall off the face of the earth. Wow. I'm going to have to try and get there. 
I am down to, you know, take a flight down to Texas. Yes. All right. Well, uh, you got her. let's do it. I'm so I down. <laughs> well, thanks again, Connor. This has been a blast. I hope we get to talk soon and maybe get that investigation going. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited uh, to listen to more episodes down the road. Yeah. And until next time, stay spooky. Ooh. Ooh.